Next on BYUSN, we've got the 2022 football season superlatives. We're not going to say it. We're going to declare some of the best of the year. Plus, Cam Meller joins us to look at BYU players' draft stock for this year and next. Let's go, baby. It's not too early. And a little bit of news with the BYU football player in that regard. Welcome to BYU Sports Nation, presented by the BYU Store official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. It is Tuesday, January 17th. I'm Jerem Jordan. He is Yesen Born Identity Shepherd. <laughs> I wonder if people uh, know how... Get the reference? I, if they get the reference, but they also know how often I am uh, actually mistaken for one Jason Bourne. It Matt, happens. Matt Damon's. It happens all the time. Yeah. I'm not kidding you. Really? Yes, I and mean, it drives my wife insane. Like, have you taken a photo or signed anything before? Like, is it that Matt level? and I choose not to be in the same place at the same time? Like, you suddenly sh showed up in Interstellar. <laughs> it drives my wife insane. She's like, really? I don't see it. I don't see it. Shouldn't? Wouldn't she want to see it? I would. You would think. Yeah. <laughs> you would think. You would think it would be a good thing. For, you got hitched in, for just, Sister Shepherd. Okay. That, yeah. yeah. All right. On today's show, speaking of today's show, BYU football season superlatives, as you mentioned, it's going to be fun. It's always fun to do these. Uh, plus, College Football Network's Cam Meller joins us to talk NFL draft stock with Jaron Hall and others. Kind of curious to find out if there's anybody else on the roster uh, who he sort of has mm -hmm. on his radar. Yep. Uh, and how about this? Is Trevin Nell back for BYU hoops? Okay. Mm, we'll look into that. Plus, top five Lauren Gustin games. The fact that we can get it down to five is pretty remarkable because just about every took game. took a lot of time to yes, figure that out. Yes, it did. Yes, it did. Here's today's headlines. Blake Freeland has declared for the NFL draft. He posted on Instagram, thank you, BYU, with the video this morning. Deadline was yesterday. BYU offensive tackle is the seventh best on the PFF draft board, 87th overall. He's the fourth best tackle on Mel Kuyper's board. What an incredible career from Blake Freeland. Good luck to him, certainly. After the Cowboys win at Tampa Bay last night, Fred Warner and the San Francisco 49ers will face Dallas Saturday afternoon in the divisional series. Great rivalry history between those two teams. Always good. Yeah. And hey, and if Dallas plays that well, we know how good San Francisco's playing. That should be a fun one. It, absolutely. Uh, hopefully it's more entertaining than last night. <laughs> BYU football's matchup at East Carolina has been moved to 2025 due to BYU's new Big 12 scheduling. Power 5 era, baby! The game was previously slated for 2024. At least it's not in the 2030s. There we go. That's right. Hey, those days are over, right? Uh, those, uh -huh. days, oh, those days are over. But it is a G5 road game. There it which is. Which I don't really want to play uh, as a Power 5 anymore. So okay. there you go. So picky. Men's Volleyball stays. We can be now. I know, we actually can, and that's that's kind of the fun part of it. <laughs> Men's Volleyball stays at number 13 in the latest ABCA coaches poll after a bye week. The Cougars host Fairleigh Dickinson Friday and Saturday at 9 Eastern time on BYU TV. All rise and shout. It's time for What's Trending. Trending is presented by Bodyguards, protection for a life. I was worried that audio was buffering. <laughs> she had the noise and then nothing. That's starting to be an older <laughs> phrase, but yes, the buffering. Learn more at Bodyguards.com. We're still sitting in the embers of the 2022 football season, reviewing what went well, what didn't, how we feel about it. So today we're going to hand out some football superlatives. Let's start with the best game of the year. What was it in your opinion? 
I'm curious where you go with this because I, I didn't look at the season and like, okay, now that we know what the season was in its entirety, which one turned out to be the best? I went with, at the time, it was the biggest game. I still think it is. This is the answer for me. It's, it's Baylor. Yes. For me, it's Baylor, not just because you got the win, but there was so much around that. It was you finally had Baylor at home after going to Waco the year before. Things didn't work out the way that you had wanted. So being able to get them in Provo, get your revenge, was a big deal. But also the fact that you were sort of, you know, this was the last year as an independent. You're getting ready to go into the Big 12. To be able to have that type of performance against Baylor, who obviously was playing much better then than they ultimately ended up as, as the season progressed, to me it's still the win over Baylor. I agree uh, for the following reasons. First top 10 win at home since Miami 1990. I assume that's only the second top 10 win total uh, ever in BYU history at home. Uh, revenge for last year in Waco, as you mentioned. Beating a Big 12 team the year before yep. the Big 12. Overcoming field goal misses to win. Jaron Hall embracing Jake Oldridge. Starting 2-0. The field storm. This, this was awesome. When the dust settles... Obviously, Baylor wasn't as good as we thought. Right. But I've made this point for years. Historically, if BYU gets a win like this, typically that team maybe wasn't as good as they were at the time, and that's why you win. You just enjoy it when it happens. You don't look back on Facebook years later and say, was my girlfriend in high school, is she still hot? It was what it was like when you were dating in high school. And when BYU played <laughs> Baylor, Baylor was number nine. And it was this big deal. And so, yes, it was awesome. What, what's the runner-up here? Boise State, perhaps? Yeah, probably. It, because of how important that game was at the time, you had just lost four in a row, and yeah. you're thinking, oh, my goodness. Four in a row, and now we got to go to Boise State in the last game of that series? And then for them to come out the way they did, I have a feeling. More of that I, yeah, coming up. I have up. a feeling yeah. there will be more references yes. to this. But, yes, yes, probably Boise State. Yeah, I, I think so. Notre Dame. Would have been the best yes. win of the season had BYU. Well, look, won and the, the other thing in terms of, of best wins, I think it's also if there's a win that gets you a lot of national attention, I think that helps with what the best game of the year is. Yeah. And certainly beating Baylor, that put BYU on the road because everybody knew what Baylor had the done rankings. the year before. Yes. Utah State, yes. Wyoming, think about it. Like two weeks later, BYU uh, walks into Eugene, uh, or, or sorry, U Eugene is in that mix, but BYU's ranked as high as 12th because of that, that win. Um, and certainly BYU was overrated at the time. All right, so but from, you enjoy it while you have yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. You don't sit back and go, eh, we were over. When BYU was 12th, they were 12th. All right, let's move on. From the best game of the season, how about the worst game of the season? Yeah, I, I don't say Oregon because walking into Eugene certainly uh, is going to be tough. The way BYU played was bad. Um, I say Liberty because you expected to win that despite losing to Notre Dame and Arkansas the two weeks before. Liberty at the time, I believe, was 6-1. and one. BYU's up in this game, 14-3, gives up 38 unanswered. Yep. That was the end, where it was like, oh, gosh, uh, we've hit a new low here. Liberty has a nice season where they beat Arkansas, and they're on, on the uh, cusp of getting into the rank. I think he maybe even they got into the they fell off the map. Once Hugh Freeze starts talking with uh, Auburn, they just, they just go downhill. They lose to New Mexico State late in the season. This was a massive bummer, because when you go on the road against a team like Liberty, and that week, I was very confident that BYU would go in and win. I had my five reasons. Yeah, I didn't have five reasons BYU was going to give up 38 unanswered. That was very disappointing and still is. I, I came very close to going with Arkansas because, really, if you think about it, that game was sort of the demise of the defensive side of the football where everything just mm. sort of okay. started to trail 
downward. Giving up 52 at yes. home. Yes. So I, I, I came very, very close. But ultimately, I landed where you did with Liberty. Yeah. And I think it was because of the way the game played out. I was with you. I thought BYU was going to go in and... I don't know if roll, but certainly win the game yeah. comfortably because they should have. And in the yeah. way they start the game at 14-3, as you mentioned, yep. you're thinking, okay, well, fine. This is exactly how we thought this game was going to play out. But then the way that, that the game played out, getting blown out, and in the manner that you did with the unanswered points, it, it has to be the worst loss. It'll never be acceptable to go play that game and lose in that way. There's never a time where we'll go, well, no, that was fine. Yeah. <laughs> You, you never want to get blown out at all. It happens. But it's different when it's in Eugene versus when it's in Lynchburg, Virginia. Correct. Okay, next up, season MVP, runner-up. We say runner-up because we think it's so obvious that Jaron Hall is the yeah. MVP. So I went with um, – and this, the fun part about this one is there's a lot of good options here. I, I, maybe I took the safe route, but I also think it's the right route. And, and I went it's with, BYU. And I went with Puka. So yes. with what he did, and, and for him during his career to be as – prolific as he has been, to deal with the injuries that he's also had to deal with. For him to be able to put up the numbers and be the go-to guy that he was for the offensive side of the football, to me, he's, he's, he's the guy that's right below Jaron Hall in terms of MVP. He was never really 100%, yeah. even when he played. Yeah. He played in nine games. He had 10 total touchdowns. That's more than anybody not named Jaron Hall. He led the team in catches and receiving yards, 48 and 625. I believe if he plays a full 13 games, he probably gets 1,000. 8.4 yards per carry on 25 carries. Like, dynamic with the ball. And, of course, this play, which more on this coming up against oh, yes. State, is a sort of season saver because in 8-5 and five is very different than 7-6. and six. Um, And that dramatic win in the final game there is pretty awesome. Of course, he starts the season with a 75-yard jet sweep for a touchdown. Gets another touchdown in that quarter he was just uh he was just fantastic all right moving on to the next one this one's interesting most outstanding single game performance we go back to puka against boise state 14 catches for 157 and two touchdowns those 14 catches tied for third most in a game in byu history 157 always awesome no matter who you're playing the two touchdowns amazing both were toe tapping incredible the second of course is the play of the year uh, probably for BYU football. And it beats Boise State. It's on the blue. It's the last game of that series. Always good to send the Broncos home uh, with the loss. That was amazing. Yes, it is. That was amazing. And it just epitomizes how athletic he is and what kinds of plays he's can get, he can get. There have not been many, if any, receivers like Puka Nakua. I still think Austin Collie's the greatest receiver in BYU history because of the volume and quality. But if Puka had had a healthy three years at BYU like Austin had, I think I'd be saying Puka's the best receiver in BYU history. I, I can't add or edit anything you said in terms of the rationale. The answer is Puka. You sound like Omni. <laughs> well, look, <laughs> why would I? Why, you said it perfectly. The answer is Puka for the reasons that you just mentioned. It was, it was that performance. Amen and amen. Yes. Next, okay. best newcomer. Now, newcomer can mean what you want it yes. to mean. Yes, okay, and so obviously – first-year player, or somebody that maybe is getting their first opportunity. That's kind of where I went with my answer, and I went with Cody Epps. Cody Epps. So did I. <laughs> okay, here's the other we part. We did not talk we about this. We did not talk about this, so this is not like we're on the same Sometimes, page. Sometimes, okay, the, come on in. Sometimes we'll fake it, like, oh, yeah, we don't know. No, we really didn't We talk. purposely yeah. made sure that we sent our answers in to our producer, Ben Bagley, separately. Wanna, we did not want to know. Yeah. So, look, Cody Epps only played in eight games. 
But what he did, he was second on the team in touchdowns with six. 39 catches for 459 yards and an average of 12. He was dominant in his time on the field. To be able to see what that could have been had Mm -hmm. he been able to play more games, Mm -hmm. I am so excited about what this upcoming season could be with a quarterback like Keaton Slovis. Oh, my gosh. It's, I, he, what he did in limited time should make BYU fans salivate for the opportunity oh, for him next year. I'm, I'm just praying he's still on the team because <laughs> if, if I'm a Pac-12 team, a Big 12 team, an SC team, I want a Cody Epps. Um, you know, uh, BYU needs to keep him here. They need to make sure NIL is good enough yes. for him and so on and so forth. He had five catches in 2020, didn't play in 2021. This is why he's newcomer-ish, right? And what he did was incredible. Highlighted by the Notre Dame game. Four catches for 100 yards, two touchdowns. He stuck out. He made some of those four- and five-star guys look silly because he was a first-team All-American. Like, how does BYU even get Cody Epps at high school? Bryce Young is his quarterback in high yeah. school, by the way. The Heisman Trophy winner two years ago, Alabama. He's amazing. Modern day in perhaps, LA. Perhaps a top five pick in the NFL draft this year uh, for Bryce Young. All right. Okay, next up. Best moment. Best moment is beating Baylor in overtime. Okay. The fan storm. That moment was the best of the season. That's it? That's it. Okay. All right. Um, I went a little, uh, little more uh, emotional. Oh, let's hear it. I went with the, the old droid mm-hmm. hall embrace. So obviously the, same the game. Old S- yes, exactly. So same game. Yeah. But I went with that moment. Now, obviously BYU gets the win, so that's everybody's feeling good, and obviously that that's, oh, say lose. That, that's, that's, that, that changes everything. So the fact yeah. that BYU won the game yes. obviously helps the situation. Sure. But we learned a lot. I didn't need to be told and have that type of of situation tell me what type of guy Jaron Hall is. Yes. But I think that allowed not just the BYU fan community, but it allowed the nation to see the type of person and leader that Jaron Hall is for what he did immediately. As soon as that game was over, he found Jake Oldroyd. He gave him a hug and told him, you know what? We got you. We got you. And I thought that was an awesome moment. NFL scouts um, are going to talk to him about that moment. Yes. Uh, undoubtedly. And those happen a lot. We just don't see them. Right. Right? We saw this one, which was cool. Okay, best um, – we said best moment. What's the worst moment of the year? Um, I went with the ECU loss. Mm. And the reason that I did, and, and I referenced this earlier, that, that was the fourth loss in a row. Yep. And at that point, you see that the next week is Boise State, and you're thinking to yourself, how is this going to get any better? How is this losing streak going to stop? Are we going to make a bowl game? Yes. There was real concern at that point at 4-5. and five. Look, and I'm sorry, ECU coming to Provo, you don't lose that game. And so you lose the game on a field goal, you lose by three, and you've lost four in a row. That was kind of the, it just felt like, when is this ever going to get better? So for me, it was that. Second week in a row with Kalani Stocky calling the defense. They were very improved in that game. Sub 30, offense needs to put up 30 plus at home, did not. That was a hard moment for sure. Okay, uh, let's see. Best play. I have a feeling. Puka's game winner against Boise State. Like, it, it is, this is the play of the year, the toe touch, the balance. The ability to make sure you secure the ball and get in bounds and scrape some beads and have BYU photo take it. I mean, this was incredible. It's fourth down. It's a fade. Fades in the end zone are not awesome unless you're throwing to Poka Nakua. <laughs> yeah, it's that, it's that play. It's the toe tap in the end zone, and it's not just the play. It's 
how big the play was, when it happened, and the degree of difficulty to make the play. All of that was in one play, and it was Puka's catch. I still need to figure out the top 100 plays in BYU history, which we keep a kind of a running tally, where that fits, because it is certainly it's one of high the up. greatest plays. Yes. I, I think initially I looked through and couldn't put it in like the top 25, because there were, just, there were just some amazing ones. We'll have to look. Okay, finally, best under-the-radar player. I went with John Nelson. Good pick. Did you go John Nelson? No, okay. but I so, love that one. So I went with John Nelson. and Nightmare Nelson. Exactly. the nickname out there. But he was second on the team defensively in tackles for loss. Yep. You had Ben Bywater with seven, I believe. Or no, excuse me, Tyler Batty was seven. Mm-hmm. John Nelson had six. And then John Nelson had the most sacks on the team with three. No one is answering that trivia question. Yeah. Who, who led the team in tech? John Nelson. It was John Nelson. It was John Nelson. Yeah. And I, I, don't, I don't know if people realize that to your point. So for me, he's the, he was the best under-the-radar guy. I think that's great. The guy that I picked is kind of on the radar. I think he's definitely going to be on the radar next year. And uh, it's Keanu Hill. I almost went there. Keanu Hill, 37 grabs for 577 and 7 touchdowns. Now, my only – it's not concern. I just want more sort of Keanu spread out over the season, more consistency from him. Because 51% of his yards were in two games. Five of his seven touchdowns were in two games. Wyoming and Utah Tech, 160 for two against the Cowboys, 137 for three touchdowns against the Trailblazers. Keanu Hill is going to be a factor. Also, Keanu Hill is sort of one of the Big 12 location gems of right. BYU's current recruiting. Yeah. Um, a guy from Texas, dad uh, played high-level Texas football, of course, and at Texas Tech. Uh, uncle was an All-American at Texas. Keanu Hill is going to be a factor uh, for BYU, maybe the number one next year for the Cougars. With Cody Epps and Chase Roberts, that is a really nice trio. And there's an opportunity here for a great poster for Keanu Hill. Obviously, Keanu. What's one of Keanu, his movies? Speed. Keanu Hill. Oh, I was thinking Matrix. Oh, okay, no. But, but, we gotta, but we like, gotta plan to like in motion running with speed on the poster. We can do it. I want the I'm old you, school it, it BYU posters in the programs <laughs> that have you know guys with like a massive... Uh, you know, the Houston Haymooley yeah, recreation yeah. of Black A. Like, I yeah. want that again. BYU photo. Can we do that again? That's awesome, man. Okay, our question of the day. What was the best moment of the 2022 BYU football season? Weighing on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Joe on Twitter. Puka's fourth quarter touchdown catch to give us the dub on the Smurf. The satisfaction of bridling the Broncos. <laughs> nice. One last time as we rode off into the Big 12 sunset. Very well put. Was my highlight of the season. Hard to beat that moment. I mean, that was an incredible play in an incredible situation. Without question. All right, join us tonight for BYU Basketball with Mark Pope, the coach, and Greg Rubel set the stage for this week's road trip to Santa Clara and San Francisco. Watch it tonight at 8.30 Eastern on the BYU TV app. After the break, where will Jaron Hall and Blake Freeland go in the draft? Will Puka Nakua be drafted? Cam Miller of the College Football Network breaks it all down as BYU Sports Nation continues. This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Bodyguards, protection for a life worth living. It's a sliding catch for six. A go, a catch. A touchdown, Puka Nakua! Jaron and Puka, they've already declared for the NFL draft. Blake Freeland as well this morning. Well, technically yesterday, but uh, on the last day. But welcome back to BYU Sports Nation. Jeremy Jordan alongside Jason Shepard. We now welcome to the program. We've got friends of the program. We've got homies of the program. 
Our next guest is a homie, Cam Meller of College Football Network, newly formed, formerly with Pro Football Network. We'll dive into that later. But Cam, welcome back to the show, man. I appreciate you guys having me. I'm always uh, happy to be a friend, but now that I'm elevated to, to homie status, I'm even happier. Hey, and you got the mug. So, uh, yeah, the swag, right. you got you know the what? swag, you got everything. I, I'm not going to lie. This thing's like not left my hands since I've got it. So <laughs> it's perfect. At least we know it's being used. Right. Absolutely. That, everything so far. So, uh, you know, 10 for 10 that box was. So I appreciate it. Uh, again, keep elevating. That's my goal. Absolutely. Okay, let's talk about uh, some of the guys we've talked about. And let's start with the fresh news of the day, which is Blake Freeland uh, going to the uh, NFL. What are his prospects, in your opinion? Because I know there's been a lot of first-round possibility with him. Yeah, so I think what happened is a couple of dominoes fell with this offensive tackle class. You had Fashanu from Penn State, largely seen as the guy who could push Paris Johnson uh, from Ohio State for the number one tackle overall. He shocks everybody by returning to school. Uh, whatever his decisions and his reasons are, I know he was, you know, new to starting. So he's got his, he's, he's OT one next year. We can just say that at this point, I think then you look at it, you have a guy like Paris Johnson, who then is the de facto one. I think the, those dominoes start to fall. You look at the rest of the tackles that are seen as potential day two guys say, Hey, wow, I could really vault myself up into those first 31 picks this year. And I think, you know, that's the situation with Blake right there. You know, he's a guy who could vault himself up into the 34 top 31 picks the senior bowl is going to do a lot for him, I think. Um, you know, just prove he's healthy, prove he can, can you know, do do his thing against the best, uh, the best of the best. And I think he can maybe potentially get himself there. But a long shot or worst case scenario, he's still at day two, firmly in that early stages of round two, round three. Well, one of the guys that was extremely happy for the play of Blake Freeland and everybody in front of him was quarterback Jaron Hall. And, you know, Cam, it, it's interesting. I've, I've seen such a wide range of where people think Jaron Hall may go. What's your opinion on his draft stock? It's, it's tough. You know, it's, you want to say he has all the intangibles and tools to, to be a first-round quarterback. That, there's no denying that. The age is going to be a hindrance for him as well, unfortunately. You know, they want guys who they can get in super young, mold them, and, and allow them to learn and grow with the program. Jaron's got to be ready to go from the get-go, from day one. So I think for him right now, he is absolutely drafted. He's going to have a GM and an entire front office staff fall in love with him once uh, they meet with him and, and get him in rooms and interviews and, and, and all the, the pre-draft process, process that goes on. But for him, the Senior Bowl is crucial, is key. He needs to showcase he can not only pick up the playbook on that first day of practice, but when he's interviewed and talked to with the staff members, with the scouts, with the eight, everybody that he's going to be around at the Senior Bowl that whole week in Mobile is crucial for him. It's not just what we see on field and, and on, on film from the NFL Network. It's it's every day that he is there, the minutia, every moment that he's there, proving that he's ready to go, ready to lead an NFL team because he's going to be asked to do so early in his career. We're talking to Cam Miller of the College Football Network. Hey, I'm hoping Jaron gets picked up by the Seahawks uh, at some point, you know, four, fourth, fifth round, re-sign Geno. Let's keep this going. Um, let's talk about other guys as well who might be in the mix. Those two will be drafted, you'd think. Um, anybody else who will be drafted, Puka Nakua certainly sticks out. Uh, a guy like Christopher Brooks, perhaps. Who, who else is in the mix? Yeah, Brooks, to me, made himself in the mix. He, he was down there in Orlando at the Hula Bowl. He, he did exactly what he needed to do. He put on a show with every carry, hard-nosed guy, big guy who could move. But to me, Puka Nakua, I think he might eventually, as we get through January into March, and when he gets to run at the Combine, he's going to be a guy who could be drafted higher than Jared. I think at this point, I think you have mm. no one's going to know who he is, really the injuries. And he didn't put up a full season that people want to talk about. The guy is as fast as they come 
as talented as they come, I don't need to tell you guys there or the entire uh, the city of Provo there how talented he is. And I just think that his pre-draft process from the senior bowl all the way through to a pro day to the combine, uh, he's going to be a guy that turns heads and people are going to have the, the, the develop their draft crushes on. So I think Nakua, Puka jumps up and may be right there ahead of Jared, depending on how they both perform at the senior bowl. Staying with Puka, how do you think his game translates to the NFL? How does he stack up against the other guys that will be in the mix at that position looking to get drafted? He'll be ready right away because he's got what I call natural separation ability. He uses his speed, but he uses his speed in the play. His play speed much better than most I've seen when he's healthy. He's a guy who, you know, he can create separation at the line of scrimmage with the burst that he has. He also can create that on his route breaks across any route and in any depth of the field. And so to me, he's a guy, if you look at a Chris Olave who came in and was ready to go from the, the opening snap with the Saints this past year, you know, that's a similar player, super fast, super twitchy, I think is the, the proper draft term to use. That's Puka. And so I think for him, he's going to be ready to go as early as, uh, you know, week one of his rookie season. And that's uh, that's a, one of the major factors he'll have going for him. Cam, you're so hip with the lingo. You, you know, you talk like the kids yeah. talk these days. We like it. You know, I, I could talk in meme language. I, I don't know if I get it all accurate 100% of the time, but at least, you know, I'm trying. I'm trying to stay hip. If you can communicate in all emojis, that's when you're an elite texter. But that's another conversation. Um, yeah, any, continue to elevate. Anybody, elevation, let's go. You too. Great, uh, great song in no one. What, um, what other guys, if any, are in the mix? Or are these the four we're looking at in the NFL draft from BYU this year? To me, that's the four. I think, you know, Chris Brooks did himself a huge favor at the Hula Bowl to get himself there. I think the three you have to hang your hat on are the three we've talked about now. It's not quite like a year ago or even, you know, with high projections for some players, the transfer portal, and obviously uh, NIL deals are keeping players and pushing players elsewhere. So uh, the offensive line could get one. Joe Tugua, who, excuse me, could uh, could see himself there as well. But I think with Connor Pave returning, he was the next guy for me as well. So... That's sort of the the headliner of the 2024 class that's uh, returning to Provo. Harris Lachance, uh, the starting right tackle, does he have a shot in your opinion? Long shot. I think right now probably a preferred walk-on. He's going to have to test well um, and, and hopefully have somebody fall in love with his size and his movement ability. Uh, right tackle is not quite as coveted in the NFL nowadays as left tackles would be, unfortunately. So, And also it's a very stacked right tackle class. So you have Darnell Wright from Tennessee up there and Dewan Jones from OSU. Uh, who are going to command the right tackle attention. And then from there, it's, it's you know, a long shot for most of these right tackles. Cam, BYU's on a nice little run with quarterbacks. Obviously, you know what happened with Zach Wilson. And now, obviously, we expect Jaron Hall to be drafted. The next guy up is Keaton Slovis. And we certainly know the hype around Slovis when he was at USC. He's now a couple of places removed. He comes in here to Provo. First off, what did you make of him coming to BYU? And what do, do his prospects look like with a good season uh, heading into the draft next season? I just think it states a lot about the program and where Coach Satake has built the program. To, to have a guy like Keaton Slovis say what you will about 2022 with Pittsburgh, that was not the same offense that he, I think, committed to originally. Everything changed, and it was a very unique situation there in Pittsburgh where you run the ball you know, almost twice as much as you throw it. Uh, and you're asked to do very little in the passing game, you can't do too much. So credit to to the BYU program as a whole for building themselves up into a school that says, hey, we're a quarterback-friendly program right now. We're going to get you drafted, and we're going to vault your draft stock. And I think that's got to be the biggest reason why Keaton has decided to come to, to BYU. I, I know there's a you know a familiarity with him and, and where he trains in the offseason as well, but 
to me, this is the the program that can put you on a map for a one year. And, you know, kudos to, to Kalani for, you know, adjusting and evolving to the new age of football, where you have to be willing to do the one and done at certain positions. Uh, and so that's what Slovis is a one and done. And BYU is exactly the place he can do. He can come showcase some of that talent that he has in his right arm, uh, you know, throw some receivers open, hit some deep shots down the field, be one and done and, and vault himself back up into, uh, you know, a day two kind of kid right away. You're always hoping to continue its string of running backs as well to the NFL, which has been pretty successful here with Jamal Williams and, and Tyson Williams and Tyler Algier and perhaps Christopher Brooks. Um, Aiden Robbins comes from Louisville and then 1,000 yards with UNLV. What are you seeing from the six foot three, 230-pounder that could be great news for BYU this upcoming season? Yeah, if you thought Chris Brooks was big and had great balance <laughs> and speed for a man that size, you see Aiden Robbins. This is guy, I don't know how he didn't get looks at Louisville for three years he was there, but there's a reason he was you know an ACC running back, a Power 5 running back back before BYU was Power 5. So to me, again, a testament to where the program has been built over the past few years, a testament to evolving to the transfer portal, but then you have Robbins. I mean, this is a kid who I want to see him sort of contribute out of the backfield in the in the passing game, but that's not his uh, his MO right now. His MO is running people over uh, with his size, with the, the contact balance, and those are skills that translate from college football to the NFL right away. So I, I liken him sort of to like a Javante Williams, but a lot bigger, you know, with the Broncos from UNC. So Robbins right now has very high ceiling um, and just a very low floor in the sense, or a very high floor in the sense that he's a guy who will be drafted as well, uh, just based on physical traits alone. But uh, if he can vault himself up with with another great season, another thousand on your. So let's stay with the, the upcoming season and beyond. Obviously, we've mentioned Keaton Slovis and Aiden Robbins. Anybody else on, on the roster that will be draft eligible after this year standing out to you now? Because, look, you've always been really good at like, hey, I, like, I, I see this. I'm going I'm to predict this. And a lot of this stuff has come true. Anybody on your radar for that? I really – so I'll stick with the transfer portal because it, to pull both Boise State defensive linemen – namely Jackson Cravens. This is a guy, again, power five guy from, from before transfers, and here we are with a second destination. Uh, a guy of his stature on the inside that can play nose but also shift outside to as far out as three, five, maybe even some seven tech outside. So to me, the guy with his size, his potential, you know, question marks last year going into the year were, were can BYU rush the passer? Then not this year. We're going to go into this year with – a stacked defensive line and, and Cravens and then Bagna as well from, from Boise State. Those two, I think, can vault themselves into not just draft potential, but guys that people are going to fall in love with uh, in the sense that uh, Cravens specifically, his versatility across the defensive line should get him coveted and high, and high round looks, you know, day two for him if, if all goes to plan. That's music to all of our ears because we're hoping for better defensive line play from BYU. Obviously, more pressure. There's more risk there, but uh, it'll certainly be a different flavor of BYU defense. With BYU going into the Big 12, certainly fans are hoping and expecting that recruiting continues to elevate. BYU is unique. It wants members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and other talented people. It has uh, access to a certain type of player that perhaps no one else does uh, in a unique way. What kind of elevation do you anticipate potentially for BYU being in the Big 12 in that others who aren't necessarily looking at BYU in the first place may consider BYU now that they are Power 5? Yeah, they're going to see them on the national stage, right? They're going to see them against the, the, the programs that everybody knows and are synonymous with college football against the Texas Longhorns. Intercepting Quinn Ewers is going to get a defensive back to say, well, hey, maybe I could go be a Cougar. Maybe I could go live in the beautiful scenery that is 
BYU. They're going to be able to see the Bell Edwards Stadium. They're going to be able to see the, the facilities a lot easier than it is to say, hey, you know, hear Coach Satake on the phone and say, hey, come, come visit me in Provo, Utah. It's a little bit different when you see it on field. So I will say to fans, probably a cautionary tale to uh, be warned, recruiting usually takes about a year, two years to catch up to where you are today. And so it might not happen right away. It might not happen overnight. Give the staff time, give the program time. You know, there will be a large adjustment period, but it's going to eventually elevate since that's the theme of the the, the, the talk today. It will elevate. It just may take some time. But uh, once there's the fans and recruits and parents specifically, once those eyes have been opened, it, it will elevate with with the program. When Jerem introduced you, Cam, he mentioned the College Football Network. That's a, a new venture for you. Tell us about it. It's college football all the time. Uh, you know, not very many do it across the country, uh, if any, to cover all 131 teams evenly. You know, you hear about the top five, the top six, the perennial powerhouses and college football network is is taking it to the next level in which we give every program across the country an equal share, a fair share. We're a small outfit, but we're doing it right. And we're going to, you know, stand by the programs and the players themselves to help elevate their platforms. So, I appreciate you guys giving me time to, to discuss it. Um, and, you know, it's it's where you can find full coverage on all 131 teams, not just those top five you're, uh, we're all sick of hearing about. Well, now we're going to be snooty and Power 5 friendly. So, uh, no, <laughs> no, it's going to be awesome to uh, check out the work. You've always really known BYU as well. We appreciate it. And uh, thanks for the insight. Great stuff. It's my pleasure, as always. Thanks for having me. Uh, look forward to being back as a homie level status and whatever we can figure out is the next level up. It's a new level. Absolutely. Enjoy enjoy that. There we, oh, look at that. <laughs> Great product placement. Gotcha. Thanks, Kim. <laughs> I, I wasn't paid for this, I promise. <laughs> <laughs> look, it's nice to know when those boxes go out. They're yeah, being we, used. We knew, we knew Cam was using That's it. That's awesome. We appreciate it. That's that, very Kim. cool. That's very cool. Hey, hot, hot take there. I loved it. The um, Cravens? Yeah. Um, the fact that uh, Puka could be drafted yeah. ahead of Jaren. I love it. Look, look, he's... Despite being kind of injured this year, he made the point, hey, he's going to show up and show out in uh, workouts and the pro day and combines and everything. Well, look, I referenced this. He's, he has this knack, especially with BYU, of sort of saying these things that others are like, what? He had, and then Zach, it, he had Zach early. Yep. He had Peyton early. Unfortunately, Peyton's been injured. Right. Um, and that career hasn't kind of turned out, but... But yeah, yeah, so he, no, he knows BYU. He knows, he knows BYU, BYU very, very well. So it's cool to hear him talk that way. And look, and this is what you want. This is exactly what Kalani has talked about. That if if your goal is to go to the NFL, he wants BYU to be a place where you can make that dream come true. We used to ignore that because it was inconvenient. We used to go, well, I don't know. No, it matters. And BYU is producing NFL players now. And yep. It's awesome. It is. And it's going to continue. And and I've said this before, but. The 2018 to 21 group, and, and there was some bleed over, right, into 22. This has been a special, talented group the last couple of years that we're going to see kind of more NFL guys from this four-year span than we have in a long time. Agreed. Lauren Gustin and the Cougars host San Francisco in a Thursday matinee. Ah, yeah, the annual kids game. One of the best, if not the best environment of pants. the entire season. Don't miss it Thursday at 1 Eastern following BYU Sports Nation on BYU TV and the BYU TV app. Seriously, it's crazy. It's awesome. It's so fun and loud. Coming up, is Trevin now back? The Instagram video that makes us think he is. This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. 
This is BYU Sports Nation. To interact with the show and get great content throughout the day, follow us on our social media platforms on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, and TikTok. He is Matt Damon lookalike. I am Zach Braff uh, lookalike. Let's whip it. Cook Whip Around is presented by Marisk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. Interesting you go Zach Braff versus the Michael Sarah. <laughs> yeah, the Michael Sarah one is not as awesome. <laughs> <laughs> All right, BYU versus SMU in the, in the Albuquerque Bowl was ranked the 90th best. We're top 90. It's all we care about. The 90th best college football game of the season. It was the only BYU game on the list. Uh, should there have been another game? Um, yeah, I think Bill Connolly should have had a, a, another game on there. I think Baylor was. Uh, I agree game. with I'm, you. At the time, it was awesome. Certainly, he could win and be like, well, neither won nine games this year. Da -da -da. SMU? Really? Just because of the finish? Um, Maybe. But and it probably recency bias on that one too. They're like, wait a minute, we we haven't been paying attention. Which what was their last game? Yeah. Who played when? Yeah, what? Uh, it should have had the Baylor game. The Baylor game should have been on there. It wasn't. I'm not good. saying it needs to be high, but it it needs to be probably ahead be of the higher. Albuquerque Bowl. Yes, it shouldn't be higher. It was a great finish, no doubt. Trevor Nell posted this video on Instagram saying, "Was a cold welcome back from the team? Does this mean he's back?" I I, I don't know. I. I would love for it to mean that he's back. Um, we, we don't know. It's one of those ones where you, you can read it and you can interpret it a lot of different ways. Uh, I'm very anxious. There's actually media availability later on this afternoon for basketball. I think we're going to find out today. I think we'll know one way or the other. Reached out to uh, you know spokesman for the team and said, uh, you know we'll, we'll see. It's not necessarily yes or no there, perhaps. He has been working with the scout team the last couple of weeks. He's been practicing. And maybe back just means he can practice fully. Right. Because he can still redshirt if he wants and have Correct. two full years. Well, well, but he, he may choose to just play the rest of this year out and burn the year. He told me, it was probably two weeks ago, um, we were talking, I was doing pregame interview for the radio side of things, and, and he, he at the time said that it was going to be in a couple of weeks, which would now be now, um, that he was going to sit down with Coach Pope and they were going to discuss this. So maybe maybe, it, maybe there is something. Selfishly, I'd love for him to not play this year and have him for two years in the Big 12. Yep. But I wouldn't be surprised if he says, I've been here a couple of years, last year's my last year. and then If he wants to play, I, I more power to him. It'll be certainly. interesting to work him into the rotation. Absolutely. All right, are you more excited for March Madness or after seeing the latest trailer, March Mandalorian, coming out March 1st. Ooh, good question. I'm excited about both, certainly. Just finished Rebels, by the way, incredible. It took me a long time to finally get that. Um, March Madness, probably, because uh, Mandalorian they can watch anytime. Yeah, it's probably March Madness. Plus, it's so special. Yeah, well, look, I, I love The Mandalorian. I think it's fantastic. Um, but yeah, because you can watch it at any time, live sports can't do that. And it'll be week to week. March Madness, I consume all those games Correct. right away. Yes, right? yes. Okay, it's James Earl Jones' 92nd birthday. Better movie role, Field of Dreams, Sandlot, or The Voice of Darth Vader? It's, it's a no-brainer. Hands down, it's Darth Vader. It's the greatest villain 100%. of all time. 100%. It's, it's that voice with Darth Vader, you can't separate them. Nope. So, yes, it's Darth Vader. No, no, no. It's, and happy 92nd birthday to James Earl Jones. It's Darth Vader. Yes. Absolutely. All right, BYU Gymnastics is back in action Friday night against Boise State. Our live coverage from the Marriott Center starts at 9 Eastern with Jerem and Mikkel Merkley on BYU TV. Really, it's probably Spencer. Uh, Lauren Gustin is killing it right now. Coming up, Top 5 Tuesday looks back at her best performances. This year's produced a bunch. This is BYU Sports Nation. This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Maersk your e-commerce logistics shipping partner.
Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation, live in Studio B. Shep and I are trying to become as good as Lauren Gustin is at rebounding at something in our lives. Uh, she's having an incredible season, which brings us to Top 5 Tuesday. We look at the best five games of Lauren Gustin's amazing career so far. And not surprisingly, we start at number five. We have Lauren's then career high 21 rebounds against Oklahoma on December 10th, 2021. The then ranked number 16 women's hoops team fought into overtime, being led by Gustin and her fourth double-double of the season. While the team eventually took their first loss of the year, Gustin posted 13 points, a career high four steals, eight offensive rebounds, and 13 total rebounds. Number four, LMU last Thursday, 11 points, 24 boards, 16th career double-double double-tying her career high in boards as she out-rebounded the Lions by two in the Cougars' fifth straight win at the time. Coming in at number three is women bas women's basketball's first conference win this season against Pacific. Gustin led the team to victory with her second 2020 game. She's since added to that, by the way. Uh, posting 21 points and 22 rebounds after a free throw and a layup in the final minute of the game, Gustin hit 21 points, hitting 20 plus points for the fourth time this year. Number two, 2021 against Pepperdine, her first 2020. Career high 27 points, 20 rebounds. At the time, sixth most in the Marriott Center and most since Tina Gunn Robinson's 23 in the 79-80 season. Wow. But wait, there's more. Yes, the number one most impressive Lauren Gustin game so far is her performance against San Diego earlier this month. Gustin single-handedly out-rebounded UST's total of 23 with her own career-high 24 rebounds. It was also her second 2020 game of the season, scoring 21 points and continued to earn her the title of the double-double queen. Let's get some shirts made, man. That's the she's, DDQ. She's unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. I, like Dairy Queen NIL or something. What, what are we thinking? Look, she's the nation's leading rebounder. Campus. She's amazing. Yes, she. And, and it's and she comes out of the the start of these games and just shoots out of the the gate with ten rebounds in like the first five or six minutes. That's it's a tone. It's crazy. Yeah. Nobody has an answer for her. And this team has really turned a corner. They, um, you know, had a losing record at one point, come out of non-conference in early. They had to go at Gonzaga on a Saturday, at Portland on a Monday. That's as hard of a trip in league as you could they have. They've now won six games in a row. Awesome. They're 5-2 and two in conference, and they're overall two games above 500 at 10-8. and eight. And they're sitting in a situation where tomorrow going to be a fun game. Yep. Right after this show, we'll toss it right to uh, – BYU against San Francisco on Thursday. on Thursday. Excuse me. Thank you. The kids' day game. It's going to be great. It's going to be fun. She is must-see TV right now, which is awesome. All right, men's volleyball back at the Smith Fieldhouse on Friday night. The I know I'm on that one, Joe. You are on yeah. that one, yes. You can, do the, you can do gymnastics if you want. Certainly. The 13th-ranked Cougars host uh, Fairleigh Dickinson, and you can watch it live at 9 Eastern on the BYU TV app. What was the best moment of the 2022 football season? Your answers after the break. There were a bunch. How about this one? The end of the half to Chase Roberts. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Mountain America, the official credit union of BYU Athletics. BYU Sports Nation is on demand. Download the free BYU TV and BYU radio apps or listen to the podcast. While you're there, please subscribe, rate, and review. 
Excited to see more Cody Epps touchdowns in uh, 2023 in the Big 12. It's going to be awesome, man. Our question of the day is this. What was the best moment of the 2022 BYU football season? Weigh in on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. At Ames Flames, beating Baylor. LES was electric. LES was electric. Jeff Grimes knew our rush defense would break eventually, but they didn't. Epic game. So glad I got to be there. Ames uh, Flames lives in Texas. Uh, so kind of the reverse flow. Flew in to watch the team from Waco, which was awesome. I believe she and her fam went to the game in, uh, at Baylor last year. But, yeah, that, that was huge. Obviously, the momentum, the excitement of 10-3 and three team coming off that season, all the returners. You pound South Florida pretty easily with a great first quarter. And remember the high hopes that there was for Baylor. They had just won the Big 12 yes. the year before. They were that was a were the massive game that BYU won. Pick. Yes. And TCU was like, no, I don't think so. <laughs> uh, Doug on Twitter. Just Doug. Doug. Um, the, do- the dog from, um, what, what is it? Is it a Doug, right? From, from Up. Oh, from Up. <laughs> the camera guy's like, yeah. I don't want to s- speak. I'll just point. Yeah. Um, the last play of the season. Robinson making the solo tackle on the two-point conversion at, at the one was amazing. I was lucky enough to watch it at field level on the goal line. Thought there was zero chance QB was going down. That was amazing. And cold. That was, that was a great moment. It really was a nice moment to end the season. Um, to have that amazing, and, and a bit ironic given the struggles of the defense, that the defense comes up with this game-saving play to end the season, which was great. Now they take this positive momentum with Jay Hill's new staff into the offseason. All way you needed to do is just win the game. It didn't matter how. It was like you don't want a repeat of the previous season where you lost the bowl game to a team that you shouldn't have lost to, and then everybody talked, well, look at, look at how the season ended. Just getting that win was a, was a big accomplishment. And, again, 7-6 and six feels very different than 8-5. and five. In my estimation, you cannot be a bad team or even mediocre if you're 8-5. and five. You are good plus. Um, obviously, 9 would have been nice. 10 would have been even better plus. But BYU uh, you know, figured something out at the end of the season, won four in a row. Feeling what's weird is, do we feel better going into this offseason than the one before, even though BYU won 10 games? Winning a bowl game has a very does. sort of extreme emotional impact. It's the on ultimate how you recency feel. bias. If yes, you have is. a win that you get to sit on throughout the offseason, whether it was a good win or not, against an impressive team or not, it's still a win that gives you hope that you're going to see more wins when the new season starts. And if, and if the present is inconvenient or overly negative, you just push it to the like side and, matter. Look, and look forward. Yes. And looking forward certainly is bright for BYU as we embrace what will be the toughest situation but best ever in BYU football history uh, with the Big 12 and figuring out, okay, what pieces fit where on the coaching staff, on the field, and seeing how BYU does. We don't. Like, I don't know. Is BYU going to be, like, nine wins good this year? Are they going to be four wins good? Are they going to be somewhere in the middle? I'm excited to find out. I don't really know. Because last year, yeah. Shep, that's the most confident walking into a season I've been since 08. Going, I know what we have. I know we're going to do this. And, unfortunately, it didn't happen. Crap happens, right? And BYU's defense wasn't great. Jaron Hall gets hurt. There's not a capable backup sitting there. It wasn't like the year before because Tyler Algier's not sitting there. Baylor Romney's not sitting there. And that defense was better a year ago than it was this last year. And that's okay. You walk into this new situation, maybe Keaton Slovis uh, lights the world on fire and Aiden Robbins um, does a little more than what Chris Brooks did. Chris was good. I just think in third and fourth down and short, we were hoping for a little bit more out of this BYU rushing offense. And if there was, maybe BYU wins nine, and it's one game different, and it's so and it's, and it's, it's so different. Yes, it's e- monumental. And it's ECU, man. Yeah. If ECU is a win, this season feels very different. Now we just need the schedule to come out. 
What schedule? Hey, the Pac-12. The Pac-12's coming out with their schedule. They probably feel like since we can't beat them in terms of media rights money, maybe we'll just beat them to the punch with the schedule. Well, they had a great year. Uh, they really did. The Pac-12 is much improved, and it's probably good that BYU played the five in 2021, <laughs> not this last year where a bunch were ranked. That's right. Okay, Caleb J. McKay on Instagram. Personally, the most electric moment was the fourth quarter break at Notre Dame when we took over their light show with the longest "Let's Go Cougars" chant I have ever heard. Would have been better if we had won, though. That was certainly a nice showing for a game that BYU was ultimately hoping was in Provo. It wasn't. It was all Notre Dame. It was NBC. It was everything. But BYU fans showed out. Yes. And BYU almost got that one. They showed out in the soda lines. <laughs> yes, they did. <laughs> oh, elite voice of the day. They always do. Voice of the day. Where there's sugar, a BYU fan will be found. Presented by PAX, Healthcare Elevated. Brian on Twitter. Boise State win. Jaron was dropping dimes. Great game by Jaron. Started to run again. Yep. Puka was hauling in everything. Best win of the year. We feel like Baylor was the best, uh, probably, game. Although, if you say win, it changes it for me. Um, I, I think the best win probably was Boise State. I agree with that. You're backtracking now. Well, I'm changing. I'm, I'm moving. You're the changing goal. the parameters I'm of the, the conversation. Oh, you're yeah. moving the goalpost. Yeah, I like it. versus win. Hear you now, believe you later. Hear me now, but believe me later. Today's ride shout out is presented by Mountain America, the official credit union of UI Athletics. Blake Freeland, a tremendous career, senior bowl invite, second best rated tackle in the country. He is going pro. Congrats. Yeah, congrats to him. Our thanks to today's guest, Cam Mellon. Conversation continues 24-7 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. This and all of our shows are on demand on BYUSN.com. Sorry to Dennis Pitta, we ran out of time. For Jason, I'm Jerem. Shout out to Brenna Chase. Go Kooks!